Welcome to Kuhau Podcast. We thank you for tuning in. If this is your first time listening in with us, we want you to know that you are a part of a new loving family. Wherever you're joining us from, we hope that this message encourages you and transforms your life. Now stay tuned for today's message. Luke chapter 17, verse 11 through 19. If you have it, please say amen. Amen. It says, and Jesus continued on towards Jerusalem, he reached the border between Galilee and Samaria. As he entered a village there, ten men who, uh, ten men with leprosy stood at a distance, crying out, Jesus, Master, have mercy on me. He looked at them and said, go show yourselves to the priest. And as they went, they were cleansed of their leprosy. One of them, when he saw that he had healed, he had been healed, came back to Jesus shouting, praise God. He fell to the ground at Jesus's feet, thanking him for what he had done. This man was a Samaritan. And Jesus asked, didn't I heal? Didn't I heal 10 men? Where are the other nine? Has no one returned to give glory to God except this foreigner? And Jesus said to the man, stand up and go. Your faith has healed you. I feel the presence of God today. Uh, To be honest, I usually come and I have a a nice four-point message for you. Uh, This week, we don't have that. I really just want to talk to you. Is that all right? Can I take my time, church, and just talk to you? You want to hear a four-part message? You can come hear me again next week. But for now, I just want to talk to our church community. Amen? And I want to talk to you on this subject. In part eight, we were entitling these messages. But as we encounter grace and how wonderful grace is, I want to title this message... This simple phrase, the others, the others. Look at the person next to you, tell them the others. No, no, but tell them like it's a message of a uh, a title message, all right? Tell them like if it's a movie that you're about to watch next week. Tell them the others. Now look at the person on the other side, tell them where are the others? (laughs) Tell them again, tell them where are the others? Can we bow our heads and close our eyes and pray for this message to be epic? Father, we thank you. Thank you for your grace and your mercy. We thank you that every Sunday you give us such an amazing honor and privilege to to come into your house. I know that this is a school, but I believe that on Sundays it becomes your house. where Your people come and gather with one another to receive, but also to give. Thank you for this word, oh God, that you... You have created, oh God, so that we can have life. I thank you, Jesus, for giving us this extraordinary privilege that this word may be more than information being passed on or being communicated, but that this this may be a life-changing word, that this may not be a word that we just hear, but a word that we can live out. Thank you for the honor and privilege to be married with my beautiful queen for five years, Lisa Remedios. And God's people say, amen 
and amen. One more time, why don't you give God some praise all over this room? Woo! Ah, uh, man, August has been a, an amazing, amazing month, and uh, uh, we went on vacation. How many of you guys enjoy going on vacation? All right, let's try this again. Uh, pause the tape. We're going to re- try this again, Ruben, all right? How many of you guys really enjoy vacation? How many of you guys like going away on vacation, right? Are you ready to get started? We're going on vacation, right? That's what we're going to do. Um, uh, I think everyone enjoys a vacation. I mean, there's something about going on vacation. We, we uh, decided earlier this year, uh, we said we haven't gone on a vacation for quite some time. And this year we decided that we were going to go on a vacation as a family. Now, we are a Hispanic family, so there's always six or more. I'm just saying, right? And so uh, we said that we were going to go on vacation and we're like, listen, no matter what, this is what we're going to do. We're going to go on the most epic vacation we can ever go. We're going to go to Disney World. That's what we're going to do. We're going to save up our tax returns because that's what we do. And then we're going to go to Disney World. And then we looked at our budget and we said, hey, Pennsylvania will be, they'll do just right, right? And so we went to Pennsylvania, right? And uh, we went to Camel Beach. You ever been to Camel Beach? You ought to go to Camel Beach because Camel Beach is pretty good. It's awesome. And you go on vacation and I'm like packing my clothes, right? And I'm like, I'm packing like eight shirts and eight undershirts. And my wife is like, what are you, what are you doing? We're going on a four-day vacation. Like, why are you packing so many shirts? And I'm like, I haven't been on vacation sometimes, so I don't know how much I need to pack. But I say, I'm going to pack eight, eight shirts and maybe six pair of pants. Why? Because just in case, right? And I didn't realize that we're going on vacation. You don't need that much. You don't need that many clothes. It's like, what are you doing with your clothes? What, are you, what else are we going to do with shirts? We're going to put them on and look awesome, right? Because that's what we do with clothes. And I didn't realize that all you really need was a tank top, some flip-flops, and some shorts for your whole vacation. Anybody can agree with that, right? I didn't realize that I was going to wear the same t-shirt for all the four days, right? In every picture, black t-shirt, what's up? In every t-shirt, some tank class, what's up? Right? Because... You're just relaxing on vacation. And aren't people like around you in the resort, like when you go to the resort, it's like you walked into heaven. I don't know what heaven looks like, but I just, I just could picture it. It looks like Camel Beach. Right? Like you just walk in, everyone is happy. You know why everyone is happy? Like in New York, you can't even get a smile from people. Like some of you are not even smiling right now. We're in church. Like, so, right, like, like in New York, like you can't even get a smile from people. Like you, you, you can't even get a, a hello. But when you go on vacation, I mean, it's like God sprayed Febreze on top of your vacation destination. And the air smells just beautiful. You just walk in. You're just having the good old time. Like you're skipping to my loo. This 275-pound guy is just floating on the clouds. I'm doing good. You look at faces. Everyone is smiling. You know why? Because everyone doesn't have a care in the world. They're just like, whoo, huh. And like you're like telepathically communicating. Yeah, you don't care either, right? Yeah, I don't me either. I just, I'm just having a good old time, right? And you go into your hotel and everything is different about the hotel. Like you're just having an awesome experience. You don't even need a key. You have a wristband. You walk in the hotel, chinks. That's right. The king has arrived. Right? Like you feel good you feel like a king like I promise you I love vacation like you walk in like at home I use like one towel 
and it lasts me for two weeks. When I'm on vacation, I use 11. A day, right? Because what else is there to do in the hotel? Like you just want to use up the towels and the next day you get what? 11 more. Come on, somebody. You know what I'm talking about, right? Because you know, like, and that's the thing, like when you come out the shower, you just take off your towel and you don't even hang it up. You just drop it right there on the floor, right? And by the way, when it's time to leave the hotel, it doesn't mean steal the towels time, okay? I've been to some of your houses, and every time I see a white towel, I'm like, they done stole it from the hotel. I've been to your bathrooms. I'm just saying. I've been to some of your, I mean, I've seen the white towels, all right? You guys stole from hotels. Father, we forgive them right now in Jesus' name. And so, like, um, you, you, just, you just live differently. Like, you, you take your towel, and, and, and we, just, we just threw it. Why? Because we know that... Oh, God. I mean, isn't like housekeeping like angels from heaven? They just, take it. Like, I was like showing off. I was like, watch this wrapper right here. Look, I'm going to throw this wrapper on the floor. Watch when we come back. It's going to be gone. Like, we went on a beautiful vacation. I think we got some pictures right here. Look. Bah, look at this beauty right here. Awesome time. Look at this. My son enjoyed the pool. It was just relaxing, no care in the world. Nothing mattered. We have another one. As you can see, my boys were having the most fun. Right? Right? Like they were having, you could tell they're not from Pennsylvania. They're like, we're from New York, Brooklyn, but I live in Staten Island. And, uh, and, and you, you really like just, it doesn't matter. Like you, you open up your coffee pot, you, you use it, and you just leave the wrappers there, and you come back, and it's brand new. Like, I would come back, and everything would be brand new. And, and God forbid it wasn't brand new, because Lisa was calling room service. Right? And, and, and this is pretty cool, because, like, I could throw a wrapper literally on the floor. We had a pile of towels, like this hot, on the corner. And when we would come back, it would be gone. Do the bed? Are you kidding me? Do the bed? When you would come back, the bed would magically be done. Vacuum? Are you kidding me? When you come back, everything is spotless, and it's beautiful. And I, I, I love this, this time of vacation because you kind of like, whoo, everything feels good and everything is awesome. But you know what I've realized sometimes? That the reason that we were able to do that is because at the end of the day, in the back of our mind, we knew that the, the towels weren't going to stay there, that someone else was going to come and pick them up. We knew that someone else was going to come and do our bed when we left. We knew that the wrappers that were left on the floor and the coffee spills and stains and the half and half stains that were on the counter were going to be cleaned by who? Can anybody praise God for room service? Right? Room service, I need a little bit more half and half. I need a little bit more sugar. I need a little bit more cream, right? Because room service will come take take care of it. And this was my thought today as I was on vacation. This was my thought while I was on vacation. I said, you know, isn't it funny sometimes that if we're not careful, pay attention to me, if we're not careful, we can begin to wander off in the mentality that someone else will do it. Isn't it interesting sometimes I think that you know, if we're not careful enough when it comes to what God's design and God's desire is 
for this world and for this earth, what God wants to accomplish for Jesus' followers in this world, we can somehow seep into the mentality, well, someone else will do it. Well, someone else will take care of it, right? But you know what? You know what's, what's awesome about Kuhau? That we don't say welcome to a five-star resort. We say welcome home. You know, home is what we need. Uh, home means stewardship. Home means, it means ownership. Home means, this is where I find true love. I don't find true love in a five-star hotel. I find true love at home. Home is where you can be who you really are. Someone say, welcome home. See, we don't say welcome, welcome to the five-star resort called Kuha. We say, welcome home. And if you're here for the first time, maybe this is not your home, but we pray that, that though this may at one point look like a five-star resort to you, that you can make this your home. Because we're not looking for visitors that, just, that will just come and, and, and go and have a good time because God called us for something much greater than that. God called us to come home. Look at the person next, next to you and tell them, welcome home. Tell them, welcome home. And I think sometimes we can kind of fall into this mentality of someone else will do it. Go to church, have a good old time, but someone else will do it. You know, in this passage that we are unpacking today, in this part eight of Faces of Grace, we see Jesus. Look what it says in Luke chapter 17. It says, as he entered the village, 10 men with leprosy stood at a distance crying out to the master. This is one of the first times that we see that Jesus encounters a group of people. See, uh, the last few weeks we've unpacked part one. We spoke about Zacchaeus. We went ahead and we began to speak about the woman with the alabaster box. We also began to speak about a demon-possessed man and how Jesus encountered him and delivered him. We spoke about Malchus and how Jesus and grace interacts with your enemies. We also spoke about blind man Bartimaeus, with, with, which uh, Minister Andrew brought in, and he shared with how Jesus interacted with the blind man. Uh, and last week, we spoke Last week we spoke about Peter and how he denied Jesus and how Jesus and grace interact with failure. But in this encounter, in this, in this meeting, Jesus encounters a group of people. And the Bible said that they had leprosy. They didn't have just any ordinary disease. The Bible says that they had leprosy. Look what the Bible says. It says, and from a distance they yelled, Master, have mercy on us. Master, have mercy on us. I think that the Bible puts these details to communicate to us that no matter how far you think you are from God, no matter how far you think you've gone, it doesn't matter. You can still have an encounter with Jesus. Even if your leprosy is keeping you at a distance, even if your struggle is keeping you at a distance, no matter where you are, you cannot outrun God's love. You cannot outrun his reach. No matter where you are, God can reach you even from there just call on his name and it says at a distance they say master 
Come. We are sick. We have leprosy. Have mercy on us. Have mercy on us, Master. And Jesus tells him, hey, listen, go and be healed. Go to the priest. The priest will sign off that you can now return back to civilization because you have been outcasted. Go see the priest. And the Bible says that this one man, as he's going and he recognizes that he is being healed, he returns back to Jesus and he says, Master, praise God. Thank you for what you have done in my life. You have just you have just healed me from leprosy. Now, I, I want to talk about leprosy real quick because the condition of leprosy is a diabolical disease. Many times we kind of see leprosy as, okay, it's just a skin disease, but this is a diabolical disease. This is not, uh, this is a, a disease that doesn't work like other diseases. Other diseases cause pain. This actually did the opposite. It numbed you. It numbed you so much that you would scratch so hard at times because, because of sensations before the numbing that you would literally tear your skin off because it began to numb the pain cells in your body, in your nose, in your hands, in your toes, in your fingertips, in your, in your ears, in your ligaments. It would start numbing the, uh, uh, numbing the pain cells in your body. And most of the destruction that was caused was because your uh, 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 pain alarm, so to speak, did not go off. And, and now you began to, uh, uh, you, you could literally, a, a rat in the middle of the night could literally chew your finger off and you would not know until the next morning. And now your finger is, uh, th there was actually a little girl who, who lost all sensation of pain and she literally plucked her eye out because she had no significance of what pain was. She didn't have the sensation of pain, so she just saw her eye and she plucked it out. Uh, a seven-year-old girl. This is the kind of feeling or this is the kind of experience that lepers had. We just saw Judah Ben-Hur. Anybody seen that movie? Amazing movie. And one of the things was that his mother and his sister caught leprosy and they preferred to be known as dead than for Judah to find out that they had leprosy. Because the truth is when you had leprosy, you were alive, but you were really dead. See, you were living, you were existing, you were breathing, but you were really dead because you were numb to life. Not only that, uh, the Bible says uh, that they were outcasted. Le let's go to Leviticus. Levi Leviticus chapter 13. For those of you that don't ever say that we don't read the Old Testament in Kuha. Come on, here we go. Levi Leviticus chapter 13. It says, those who suffer from a serious skin disease must tear their clothing and leave their hair uncombed. Some of you guys don't have a problem with that already. You leave your hair uncombed already. And they must cover their mouth and call out unclean, unclean, as long as the serious disease lasts. They, will they were ceremonially unclean and they must live in isolation in their place outside the camps. And so what happened in ancient Israel is they began to create these leper camps. And if you were a businessman, if you were a father, if you were a husband, if you were a worker, no matter where you were, the moment you went to a priest and they diagnosed you as having a skin disease, also known as leprosy, there were no long goodbyes. There were no hugs. Whatever hug you had was your last hug you ever got. You were immediately 
sent outside of the city into the leper camps. Not only that, you would have to leave your, your place of worship. And it's to make matters worse, if you had leprosy, you were viewed by all of ancient Israel as someone who deserved their punishment. So you weren't, people didn't look at you and felt bad for you. If we saw someone with leprosy today, we all feel bad for them. But in ancient Israel, when they saw someone with leprosy, they saw it as a direct punishment from God. And so this person is a leper, is a leper because God is punishing them. This is how the ancient Jewish culture looked at someone who had leprosy. And so it's no wonder that from a distance, they call on to Jesus and they say, Jesus, Master, have mercy on me. I love this because what they should have yelled was unclean, unclean. <laughs> but they yelled for mercy. See, in the Old Testament, before Jesus, we had to yell out our condition. But in the New Testament, after Jesus, we can yell out our position in Christ, which is, have mercy on me, have mercy on me, have mercy on me. <laughs> and Jesus says, hey, go on, go to the priest. The reason that they went to the priest is because the priest was the only person who can say, hey, you can now return back to civilization. You can now leave the leper camp, and now you can now... Could you imagine that job of a priest? I do not, I do not envy the priests. Because if you guys had leprosy and I had to check you guys out to go back into civilization, that wouldn't be a pretty job. All right, turn around. Turn around. All right, he's clear. Go back home. Just go back home. I believe you. I believe you. Just go back home. Just go back home. Right? I don't envy the priests, right? And, uh, but they, you know, they, this is, this is extraordinary because this one man, watch this, catch this, catch this. This one man, on his way, I want you to envision this, on his way to the priest, he realizes that something happened to his life. Because they didn't get healed immediately. The Bible says that on their journey, they, began, they became healed. And I love that because I just want to highlight here that many times we think that we need to get to the end of the journey to be healed, but Jesus will heal us in the, through it. <laughs> God will heal you as you go, not after you go. You'll get that on the way home, I'm just saying. And this one man comes back to Jesus, watch this now, comes back to Jesus. And look at Jesus' response. He says, let's go to that text. Look what Jesus says. Jesus doesn't immediately respond to the person's worship. He doesn't say, oh, thank you. Hey, thank you for worshiping. Thank you. No, he addresses something that what Jesus seemed possibly more important. He says, didn't I heal 10 men? Where are the others? <laughs> Look at the person next to you tell him, where are the others? He says, didn't I heal 10 people? There's only one that came back. Where are the others? Look at the person on the other side. Tell him, where are the others? You see, what, what happens is that many times when it comes to, this is a picture of the church. Because, can I, can I be honest here? This is the realest sermon I ever wrote. Shout out to one rapper that said, I don't know. Um, <laughs> I, we all have leprosy. 
See, oftentimes we, what we do is that we begin to act, we, t- we be- begin to prescribe attributes to people and, 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 and just say, you know, this person is a superhero. This person, you know, the reason that Pastor Roe is so fired up is because, you know, he has, he has a better connection with God. The reason that, you know, Maylene can, can do what she does is because she has a better connection with God. The reason that uh, Lisa could come here and jump, uh, jump, jump around like a, like, a, like a, I don't know, like a what, but love the Lord passionately is because she's special and we begin to make heroes out of people over something that should be a normal response from everyone that, that's a superhero no that's the, the normal response of a Jesus follower and so, so oftentimes we begin to see people as exception when it is the natural response that a Jesus follower should have when they follow Jesus. And so, oh no, Pastor Roe, well, Pastor Roe does that because, you know, Pastor, I had someone tell me the other, not the other day, but a while ago, they, they told me, you know, can you pray for this situation because God will heal you, God will hear your prayers more? As if I have some type of superpower. Now, I have no problem praying over people. But let me tell you something. That you got just as much power in your life. And you have just the same name that I have. You have the same name that I can declare. You serve the same God that I can serve. You worship the same God that I worship. Why don't you worship and pray to God yourself? I believe in the power of community and prayer. But there are some times that only I'm going to pray for me the way I pray for me. Amen? And so this man comes back, watch this, and he says, where are the other ten? I could kind of imagine Jesus, and at first glance, you kind of you think that Jesus is a little bewildered. He's just like, where? This man comes, runs to him, and he, where? yo, Fred, where, where are your boys at? Wasn't 10 of you guys the one asking to be healed? Why is there only one here? What if I told you Jesus has expectations of you? And sometimes we think that if other people are meeting the expectations and other people are making these sacrifices and other people are going the extra mile, we think it's to our credit. But, but according to what Jesus is alluding to here is what he expected was only delivered by one person. What do you mean, Pastor? Well, well, Jesus is saying, hey, didn't I heal 10 of you guys? Didn't 10 of you guys have leprosy? Why is there only one coming back and, and fulfilling the expectation that I have of all 10? In other words, in other words, why is there only one person doing what is expected of 10 people? Why is there 10% of the population doing what is expected of 100% of the people? Oh, I'm preaching good, better than you amen than right now, church. He's saying, why is it that there is only one that is, 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 is fulfilling what's expected in the natural response of a Jesus follower when there's 100% of the load to carry out? Didn't 10 people get healed from this terrible physical disease of, of leprosy that day? 
Didn't 10 men went home that night to restart life with their loving family members? Didn't 10 men once again become members of society that had been branded as outcasts? Only one returned to give God glory. He said, you know what I think Jesus is trying to say? Jesus is trying to say, listen, there's, you could receive your healing. And there's people that Jesus healed all throughout the Bible that never got the fullness of everything that Jesus had for them. He says, why is there only one doing the job of 10? Why is there only one person doing the job of, of 10 individuals? Look at this. Didn't I do in your life what I did in his life? Why is he meeting the expectation and you're not? Someone better shout amen right there. Can I, can I be real? Can I, can I share? Why is your 10% of the population doing 100% of the work? Why is there 10%? And, and oftentimes, why? Because oftentimes we kind of wander off into this mentality that someone else will do it. And so we come, we enjoy, we get healed from leprosy. And we, listen, this, the, the other nine had so many reasons why they couldn't come back and fulfill their expectation. Isn't it true? They, had, they hadn't seen their families in how long? They had to go to the priest. They had to return back to civilization. They had to go back to the temple. They had to go do so many things. But the very thing that God expected of them as a natural response for what has been done in their life, they missed out. What if we missed out on all that God has for us because we have simply been satisfied with what God has delivered unto us? Yes, God is your healer, but he is much more than a healer, church. Oh, my God. He says, why is there only one that's coming back to give glory to God? Why is there 10% of the people doing 100% of the work? Why is, there, why, why is there only one person out of 10 people giving their offerings and their tithes? Why is there only uh, 10, pe uh, 10 people out of 100 who are serving a part of a team who are in community? Why is there only one out of 10 people giving of their time, treasures, talents, and resources? Why is there a few that are doing the job that is expected of all? Wait, wait, what do you mean, Pastor? You mean Pastor Roe? Pastor Roe, are you trying to say that the church and the functions and the operations of the church are not just for a selected few? Absolutely not. It's for all. It's for all. Has God saved you? Has God transformed your life? Has God saved you from the penalty and the punishment of sin? Has God turned you from death to a wonder? Has God turned you from darkness to a marvelous light? Has God changed your life? Has God blessed you? Has God saved you from hell and bondage? Yes? Then this is your natural response. Who, who is this for, Pastor Ro? Philippians chapter 2. Watch this. I love this. If you've gotten anything out of following Christ, 
if his love has made a difference in your life if being in community of the spirit means anything to you if you have your if you have a heart if you care then do me a favor agree with each other love each other be deep spirited friends don't push your way to the front don't sweet talk your way to the top put yourself aside and help others get ahead don't be so obsessed with getting your own advantage that you forget yourselves long enough to lend a helping hand. Woo! Wait. But, but I just, I, I got my healing. I called on to Jesus. He gave me my healing and I moved on. And, I, and, and Jesus says, where, where are the others? Where, where are the others? I want to give you some cool house stats. Just small. There's about 80 people in our database that call Kuhau their home church. I believe that by the end of next year, there will be 200 people that call Kuhau their home church. But currently, there's about 80 people that call Kuhau their home church. Out of those 80 people, 24 are the ones that serve and give of their time and their treasure and their talent and and they're here from one o'clock sometimes here till seven o'clock and they're here during the week they're serving during the week they're doing outreaches many times out of 80 people 24 actually do the serving look at your person next to you tell them where are the others don't die out on me. Come on, say it like you mean it. Say, where are the others? <laughs> Pastor Ro, I just wanted to hear Jesus loves me today. <laughs> Look at the person next to you. Tell them, where are the others? Where are the others? Out of, out of 80 people that call Christ uncensored their spiritual house and their home, the place where they get spiritually fed, the place that they have found identity, the place that they are called to a greater purpose, out of those 80 people that call Christ uncensored their home, there's about, on an average monthly basis, there's 30 people who are regular committed givers. Look at the person next to you. Tell them where are the others. Don't sound like you're dead and you got leprosy. Sound like Jesus saved your life. And tell them where are the others. Where are the others? Where are the others? I may be another. Out of 80 people, there's 26 that are part of a vibrant Bible study and are spiritually growing and are maturing into the fullness of that of what God has for them because they are in community and they are reading their Bible together and they're asking questions in community groups. About 26 people on an average weekly basis are coming together in two separate community groups. Look at the person next to you, tell them where are the others? <laughs> Jesus says, what I did for one, I've done for all. Where are the other nine? Because the other nine, watch this, missed out on everything that I had for them. Now watch this. Verse 19. 
And it says, and Jesus said to the man, watch this, watch this. Stand up and go. Your faith has healed you. This word healed in the original language is actually different from the time that went, from the word that is used when it said that they were healed on their way. When they were healed on their way, the Bible indicates there that they were healed of their leprosy. In other words, they no longer had the disease. Are you following me, church? When the Bible uses the word here in the original language, the word is holokleros. I'm not speaking in tongues, that's Greek, okay? Holokleros, meaning complete and wholeness, fullness of life. It is at that moment that Jesus says, the other nine missed out on all that I had for them. You can receive now complete fullness of life. What if I told you that Jesus is not simply a mechanism for you to get what you want in life? Have you, have you ever been there? I've been there like, God, I'm, I'm going this direction. I need your help. I need to get here. I need God to be my helper in my journey and where I need to go. And God is simply, watch this, God is simply a helper in your life and not the fullness of life. And, and for many of us, God becomes more of a, a coping mechanism. And so we are satisfied with God the healer and we're satisfied with God the deliverer as if that's the first priority on God's to-do list. And we think that God is simply uh, there to get us out of jail or get us out of our rut or get us out of our prison or get us, uh, get us outside of our bondage or get us delivered from it. But God is way more than that. We're simply being satisfied with the bare minimum of what God has to give, but not the fullness of who God is. And I'm not preaching at you. I'm, I'm not preaching to you. I'm preaching to myself because many times I find myself in a place, I don't know if you've been there, but I've been in those places where I'm like, God, I need to, we need to, we need to do something. This is happening, my finances. And God is saying, what if... What if the goal here is not for me to deliver you and bail you out of a financial crisis? What if the goal here is for, for you to be satisfied with my presence through your financial crisis? <sighs> Many of you don't know this. You guys don't, a lot of people don't think pastors have problems. We do. Right? We do. Like, pray for my marriage. I'm like, pray for my marriage, all right? <laughs> it's like... My wife been asking, baby, has, has God been telling you anything about our finances? Because my son is going to college and we got a tuition to pay now and we, we don't know how we're going to pay. And it's like, and you know, my wife never worries about finances. And, and when she asks me finances questions, questions about, I'm usually the one that worries about finances. She's just like. So my wife talks to me about finances. I'm like, oh, Lord, you better talk to me. You better talk to me because we can't have two worry warts in here. You know, we're like, I'm like, what if God is saying, I know you're believing me for your financial breakthrough. I know you're believing me to heal you from leprosy. I know you're believing me to get this promotion. 
I know you're believing me to get to this economical position and status. But what if my presence is much greater than anything I could ever give you? You know, my son, he turned 11 years old, and I, I I want you to catch this. He turned 11 years old, and he's... He says, Dad, all I want for my birthday is Rubik's Cubes. So he has about $100 worth of Rubik's Cubes. Because he wants to compete by next year in a national tournament. I know, he's, he's brilliant, he's a genius. You know where he gets it from. But let's make no mistake, my son is not infatuated with what I have to give more than the giver himself. My son understands that if he did not have anything for his birthday, but he had his father, that's all he needed. Because the gift, the greatest gift he could ever receive is the gift of my person. Not what my hands have to give. You want God to make you happy? He can make you happy. Oh, you want God to heal you from a disease? He can heal you from a disease. You want God to make you wealthy? God can make you wealthy. But don't miss out and get strung up on the gift rather than the gift giver. (laughs) Don't get so consumed with the gift when there's a gift giver in town. That is saying, if you got me, you got all those things. Don't just be satisfied with seeing God as some type of coping mechanism to help you with your wants and your worries of life. I'm worried about this. God, uh, God, help me with this. I want this in life to go here in life. So God, help me with this. No, 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 no. What if I threw it all? God says, I am here. I am all you need. I am... Too quickly, we become satisfied with the hand of God rather than the heart of God, and we miss out on all the fullness that God has for us. So you've been healed of leprosy. So he delivered you. So he forgave you of your sins. So he saved you. So he saved your marriage. That's not it, there's more. So he saved you from bankruptcy. That's not it. There's more. So he's, he gave you that promotion. <laughs> That's not it. There's more. Oh, oh so, he, so he, he was able to save your whole family. That's not it. There's more. <laughs> oh, so you got a new job with a better income. Guess what? That's God, but that's not it. There's more to God than that. Come on, church. Jesus is more than a divine problem solver. He's more than a personal deliverer. He's more than a personal bailout of a financial crisis. He's more than a great physician whose number one job is to heal us from our physical problems. Jesus is much greater than that. I refuse to see God anymore as a divine spiritual intervener to help me out with my wants and my worries. Jesus is enough for me. 
This man with leprosy, he, he had to go back to his home. He had to go back to the priest. He had to go back to civilization. I mean, he was apart from all these things. He had so many excuses not to return and meet up to the expectations that he wanted. But he, he got a glimpse of God's grace. And he turns back and he says, I know what you had to offer was healing. But you are greater than your healing. You are greater than a financial breakthrough. You are greater than my marriage being saved. You are greater than my children and family being saved. You are greater than me getting that promotion. You are greater than my service. You are greater than... You are enough. And the Bible says, he says, go and be complete and whole. The Bible says that that, that word means his skin turned back like a baby. He received something, watch this, something that the other nine didn't. Because he was able to walk in to the fullness of what God had for him. Pastor Rose, is this a guilt trip? I pray it isn't. We don't believe in guilt trips here. My goal for today is not for you to walk out here and be like, man, I'm really messed up today. My goal is that you may look at Jesus and say, I need to become more satisfied with who he is rather than what he can give. I need to be satisfied and that in itself will, will compel you and move you to everything that God has for you and to fulfill the expectations he has for those that call themselves followers of Jesus. Pastor Roy, we're done here. The worship team can come up. In a few moments, we're, we're going to sing a song of worship. But I want you to think about this. Maybe you're here and say, Pastor Roy, that's, Pastor Roy, that's kind of like for you. Like, you're gifted to do that stuff. You're, yeah? I promise you, there's a, at least two phone calls a day that I don't want to take. That's your job, Pastor Rowe, room service. There's at least two phone calls a day I do not want to take. But I have to put myself aside long enough that I can be a helping hand to someone else. What if Jesus is here today and he says, where are the others? I see, I see the volunteers. I see the leaders. I see the pastors. But where are the others? 20% of the church does the serving. Where are the others? 25% of the church does all the giving. All the generosity that comes from this church is truly done by 25 to 30 people at Christ Uncensored. They're all sitting right here. This is it. The ones that don't, they're not here today, all right? What if God's opportunity for you to walk into the fullness, what if God's opportunity is saying, if you begin to walk in what I expect from you, you receive the fullness of life. But what about my wants, God? You want things in life because you want the fullness of life.
What about my worries? What about my concerns? There's things I've been praying for and asking God. Like, what about those things? You want those things because you want the fullness of life. But what if in his presence you found the fullness of life and those are just additions? He's saying today, where are the others? Did I not heal ten? Where are the other ten? Did I not heal him from leprosy? Where are the other nine? Did I not rescue you from sin? Where are the others? Did I not save you from the penalty of death? Where are the others? What would it look like if ten of the lepers would have came back and fulfilled the expectations that only one did? I tell you, church, they would have had church right then and there. I, they wouldn't have just had a story. They would have had a testimony. They would have had church right then and there. I think a revival would have broke out. What if the 80 people that called Kuhau their home said, hey, we're going to serve. We're going to give. We're going to give of our time. We're going to give of our resources. I know I got stuff. I know I got to get back to my family. But there's people that need to know about Jesus. You know why we're here on Sundays? It's not just to turn on lights and look cute on stage though we do it's about reaching people for Jesus pray to God that we can be satisfied not simply with his hand but with his heart God I I pray that we can be only satisfied not with what you got to We hope you enjoyed this podcast. Our mission here at Christ Uncensored House of Worship is to love God, love people, and love life. Kuhau is a place where our story is still being written. Together, we can do more than we can ever do alone. If this message has encouraged you and you wish to partner with us in taking this message all across the world, go to kuhau.com give or follow us on any social media platform. Thank you in advance for your support and generosity. Come and begin a whole new journey with us.